Welcome to this week's edition of Talk on Tech. I am Patrick Smith. And I'm Josh Joseph. And a couple weeks ago, we had the second annual West Virginia Game Developers Expo 2017 here at Mount West Campus. Mm-hmm. And we want to tell you all about that today and let you hear our amazing keynote. But Josh, first, give us an idea about this wonderful second annual West Virginia Game Developers Expo we had. Okay, so the uh, the expo was held on uh, Friday October the 27th, pretty much just the daytime hours, 8 to 4 roughly. Lots of um, schools. Yeah, lots um, of local schools. Lots of local schools came. Lots of general public came. We grew around 100 people, which for a second annual expo at this level, that's a pretty good growth. We went from around 100 to a little over 200, probably about 225 at the peak point. And we had several... Uh, game development studios. We had a what did we say about twelve, eleven or twelve uh, interviews that you yeah. did uh, with these various um, companies and, and organizations. Yeah, um, a few, several local ones. I mean, we tried to keep it all local, and then a few that came from a little bit further away. Really trying to promote the game development idea and concept in this area, and really trying to help foster that community growth. And we had, um, we had six different sessions that went on, yeah, yeah. as well as three different workshops. Yep, covering uh, various topics. Um, we had some people talking about virtual reality. Uh, we had people starting about starting your own indie game company. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sessions, or sorry, the workshops that we had covered various topics within the Unity game engine and one on C Sharp uh, by itself. And all in all, fantastic turnout. Um, yeah. Really, really good event. A lot of good takeaway from it. You know, one or two small hiccups, mainly dealing with seating for lunchtime and, and yeah. that little things that we knew we were going to kind of run into and are easily fixable. It, wasn't, it was amazing, though, to see 200 plus people yeah. in this building, all all with a vested interest in game development and yes, game design. Exactly. Yeah. that And that's kind of what the amazing thing is, is and that's that's where it all starts, you know, building that community up. We're trying to create this type of uh, industry for this region for one one because there's a lot of people here doing it I mean 200 people here that are, are showing up um, some people are new some people have been doing it for many years and then also the idea that industry wise money wise it's a lot more inexpensive for someone to run a company here and start a company here due to cost of living being a lot lower. And you can, again, still live a, vis- a, a very viable, uh, good lifestyle on a budget that is not what you'd need to have to live on in, say, San Francisco or something like that, mm-hmm. where rent is $3,000 a month for a one-bedroom apartment, if you can even get that one-bedroom apartment sure. <laughs> in those cities. And that's not to say we hate those cities. It's just you can do it here. You can get a computer, you can get the internet that you need, and you can program video games. To a degree, if you have $1,000 to live off of, you get a much longer runway here in West Virginia. Absolutely. Much, much longer amount of time to get things in order, get mm-hmm. ramped up than you would for, what, a third of a month in yeah, San Francisco? exactly. And I mean, I think, I think what a lot of people, they don't look, they look at big picture, and mm-hmm. they're like, I can have a good career here. Mm-hmm. I can have a, I can do this type of thing, you know, uh, in in a lot of these cities, and I can sure. I can get hired, I can get experience, I can do all these other things. But what a lot of people tend to forget are the steps in between that. You know, well, I have to come up with a job immediately upon moving. I have to be able to go, and I need to be able to make some money and. Getting to that point is is the struggle that a lot of people have. And here, you, of course, it's still going to be work. It's still a job. It's still getting to that point. Um, and especially if you start your own, you know, indie company. But again, cost of living, how much it's going to cost you sure. for utilities and, and rent or, or to own – is a lot more doable on a less uh, a, a less amount of money. And our amazing keynote guest mm-hmm. speaker, uh, Justin McRoy, covered a lot of that. I mean, the the interview is fantastic. But for those who don't actually know Justin McRoy, give give the people at home an idea who we're talking about, Josh. Uh, Justin McElroy, he's the host and co-host of numerous podcasts, including the advice show My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, medical history show Sawbones, role-playing podcast The Adventure Zone. He also co-founded 
writes, and makes videos for the gaming site Polygon and can be seen in YouTube series like Monster Factory and Things I Bought at Sheets. Justin is, uh, so some of you may know him from one of those various things that he is a part of. Yeah. Uh, the cool thing about Justin is he's a Huntington boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he grew up here, lives here, uh, doesn't have any desire to leave here right now. And how did you figure that out? Because before you told <laughs> me, I, I wouldn't have known how to figure out that um, the, the co-founder of Polygon was, was a Huntington native. Was a lot of, it was a lot of puzzle pieces. I was listening to um, My Brother, My Brother Me. I'd gotten into that from various friends from another uh, uh, thing that I do. And they were telling me about it and somehow it come about, that, oh, well, he's from Huntington. And so then I started digging in further and then, oh, he helped co-found Polygon. He's still an editor-at-large for Polygon. And then, of course, tons and tons of research later, figured out everything because, of course, you know, uh, he's he, he's involved with so many different things. So I found a contact email and I was like, well, I'll give it a shot. What, what, what can it hurt? That We're several months out from the expo at this point. I hit him up and, and, and explained to him what we were doing and what we're trying to do and, and things about the school. And he got back with me and was very interested in us uh, uh, working together on, on, on this and uh, came down and gave one of the best keynotes I've ever heard. Um, very inspirational. Talked a lot about things that the audience uh, really, really, really could take home. Um, the fact that he is from here, grew up here, um, and made a career within all these other areas and still never had to move away and doesn't have any desire to move away. That echoes throughout a majority of the people in this region. And it's not like his last name was Rockefeller or Hearst. It's not like he had the contacts to to make this. He was just like you and me, and he mm-hmm. somehow made it work in the right. industry. Right, and it was a lot of hard work. He 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 gave us a little bit of his background at the keynote of of um, you know where he started, what 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 papers he was writing for, how he was trying to contact and reach, and you know a lot harder to do than it is now with how he had to reach out to different websites and and magazines and and when those were a thing, uh, and and how he was able to. Oh, I want to write about video games. I, I, he doesn't make them. I want to write about them. And then, um, you know, kind of went from there and, and, and got things going. And long story short, uh, now he is involved in a lot of different projects. Podcasts seem to be the thing that really, really doing a lot with right now. With My Brother, My Brother, Me, they're doing a lot of traveling on the weekends and, and, and doing live shows at least once a month. His two brothers... Travis and Griffin uh, do the My Brother, My Brother, and Me with him, and they also have their own uh, podcasts all with their, their wives and, and different friends and family. And so they he's really taken off with all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I think I'm going to stay in Huntington. I think I'm going to stay here. I don't have any desire to leave. My family's here. My wife's here. Uh, you know, children are here. I, you know, and I think that relates to so many people. Sure. Um, A lot of of families around here are very, very ingrained into how we live and how we do do things. And, I mean, really, we're not that far from a lot of stuff. No. Um, You know, you can, your day's drive within, you're within a day's drive of so many cities and things. Mm And I enjoy traveling a lot. And I love to travel to big cities. Do I have a desire to move to a big city like a Chicago or somewhere like that? No, no. I'm 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 happy here. I've got a comfortable living. I can travel to those places very easily, but I want to stay here. And so I like going to the Huntington Mall and parking in a parking lot for free, not paying thirty bucks a day like you would in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there <laughs> again one of the many perks of of being in a, in an area where. Uh, um, there and, are things to do. And there's but, a bunch of hills. So you think flat land, they would charge me to park on it. But no. Yeah, no, no. You got to, you're, if you can find a parking spot. Right. Um, and, and I mean, like we, Patrick and I are lucky enough to, to work at an institution that um, is able to fund and help us get to uh, conferences like E3 and GDC and be at these big events where there's 20,000, 30,000 people and these big cities. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, 
it can be a little daunting at first, but now we've been to some of these places so many times. It's just like we know our way around. We know what we what we need to do. But again, cost of living. That's one of the many reasons along with a, a lot of other reasons as to why you would want to stay. I mean, you can do anything over the internet anymore. You can work from home from for a lot of jobs now um, remotely. And um, I think that the, the keynote... The, the things that Justin hits upon uh, can relate to anybody in any industry, not just gaming, uh, as to why you might want to stay um, or move and come back. I, mm-hmm. I can tell you how many people I've talked to recently that have said, well, I, I've been living out here in, uh, in California for five years now. I think I'm ready to move back home. And it may not, it may not be any relation to money or right. things like that. People just miss it when they're away from here, and right. and I I kind of get it. And I mean, I think I think a lot of people from this area, tri-state area, you know, Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, even can relate to that. You know, again, very family oriented as far as you know who we know, how we how we do things. There's not a big disconnect, um, and a lot of people just don't want to don't want to come back. Some people do, right. um, and, and so it's 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 definitely a situation where. I think the doors are opening and the opportunities there for more people to stay here. I think um, I find I find a couple of things interesting about Justin and his keynote that we'll be getting to here in a second. He's definitely what I would call a Renaissance man mm-hmm. in the fact that um, you know, some people may not know who Kevin Smith is, but I'm a I'm a very big fan of Kevin Smith for a lot of reasons. But he was a person who self funded his movie Clerks. I think he put like twenty seven thousand dollars on a credit card. So then suddenly he's a movie director. A couple years later, uh, Marvel and DC each ask him to write comic books. So he gets to be a comic book writer. Then he starts doing podcasts. So suddenly he didn't stay in one lane. He went through a lot of lanes. And I say that because even though you knew Justin from my brother, my brother, and me, Mm -hmm. that's not how I came to know him. I didn't realize it was him at all, but you'd sent me a link to a video when I was really deep into Fallout 4 about a Monster Factory video they had done on uh, Fallout 4, which was hilarious. It was so <laughs> funny. I couldn't catch my breath. I thought I was going to pass out. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I love it. And so then I started following all the Monster Factory videos. So when you told me the Monster Factory guy <laughs> was going to be our keynote, the, uh, I yeah. was like, wait, wait, how? And it's because he has so many plates spinning, which is just a testament to the fact that if you yourself decide to have a lot of plates spinning, you will have that much more audience because you mm-hmm. came to him from the podcast. I came to him instead from from uh, Monster Factory. So some people may know him from Polygon, but that allows him to have three times, four times, five times as much of an audience to come to him. Yep. And I think even Mino you know, mentions do what you love, but try to find ways to engage different people to make your audience even bigger. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'll find too is his personality is amazing. After you watch this, well, after you listen to this audio, and if you if you go and watch the videos online, like he is like one of those people that I would think ninety nine point nine percent people would be like, I'd like to have a drink with him. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd like to hang out with that guy. Right, and he's just got a great personality that just uh, that just you know grabs you, and that's very very useful to have in this industry. Yep, uh, especially when we're talking about people who are are often viewed stereotypically as loners yep. and outsiders, and we're in a basement playing a game. So those are all things you could look at and, and take away from this. It's a great uh, keynote, and I agree. After editing it and hearing it multiple times, it just got better and better. It's like TED Talk level for me. Mm-hmm. And and I find you don't have to be an aspiring game maker to take something from this. Oh, yeah. I feel that anybody who has decided to stay in this area because their passion is a, is a job, but their passion is also as much their family, mm-hmm. and they're finding a way to make it work, they can hear this as a, a testament yeah. to what they actually did. And so here on Talk on Tech, we love to let you hear people's stories because as Justin's going to mention here in a minute, Appalachia does have a lot of great stories. So we wanted to make sure to highlight this keynote so you could hear the trajectory of a Huntington hometown boy and, and how he did good on this amazing, inspiring uh, uh, keynote. So, before we get into that, I just want to point out, this is an abbreviated version of that keynote. Justin was gracious enough to stay and do some Q&A. Mm-hmm. We did not have a microphone in the audience for the Q&A. So if you'd like to see the, the full, you know, 
unabridged version. It is up online on YouTube. Uh, we have a channel, Talk on Tech. That's going to be harder to find unless you just simply decide to go out and search for WVGDE, as in West Virginia Game Developers Expo. I have tagged every single video with WVGDE. Our 2016 videos are up there. Mm -hmm. The 12 interviews I did are up there, as well as the keynote, uh, as well as the five sessions we had that I recorded and the three workshops. So feel free to go out to YouTube and check that out. Leave us some feedback. Feel free to email us at talkontech at gmail.com or send us a message on Twitter at talkontechmctc. And uh, we'd love to hear what you think. But without further ado, here is the amazing keynote by Justin McElroy. Hi, I'm Justin McElroy. Uh, I, before I tell you how to live your lives, I thought I would tell you how I lived mine so you can decide for yourself whether or not that advice is worth anything. Um, I think it's important to always consider the source. Um, so, hey, I didn't realize when I agreed to do this that I would be standing for 45 minutes straight. Uh, I was sit, sitting over there, I was thinking, man, I should really sit down. I should try to sit down for a few minutes because that's going to be 45 straight minutes. But I'm leaning now. Things are going good. Hey, guys. Uh, oh, hey. Um, <clears throat> so, okay. Uh, my name is Justin McElroy. I started uh, writing about stuff. I'm not a game developer. I should have led with that. Uh, but uh, 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 but I, I write about games and make stuff about games. But anyway, I started uh, writing about games when I was 16 years old at a site called HuntingtonNews.net, which was a, uh, it may still be, I don't know, I haven't been by in a while, uh, a, an outlet about local news and stuff. And uh, I, I started writing about games because... Um, I grew up reading games journalism, and I was like a games journalism nerd. Like, I would obsess about individual people in the games journalism world. And, whoa, hello. Uh, the game, individual people in the games journalism world. And I, uh, I had subscriptions to, like, OPM and GamePro and Electronic Gaming Monthly and Nintendo Power, and you don't know any of these magazines because magazines don't exist anymore. But back in my day, we had magazines. Uh, and I... And I uh, grew up reading those, and I was like, well, I could do this probably. Um, but I didn't think I could because I lived in Huntington, West Virginia, and this was 1990 or something. And uh, so I didn't really have much hope of that. Uh, but once the Internet got turned on, uh, they finally flipped the switch. I was like, well, okay, well, at least I could write for myself about video games somewhere where somewhere someone could feasibly read them. So HuntingtonNews.net paid me to write about video games, which is wild because it was a local news site and the games aren't different in West Virginia. Mario is pretty much the same everywhere, but I took their money and I wrote about video games. And I used that to write um, uh, freelance for the Herald Dispatch about uh, cool local teens in a section called The Edge. And I, uh, I know, and it's, so I, uh, I get it. I didn't name it. Shut up. Um, so, um, uh, I, I wrote about this for a long time, and I, I did that, and I always sort of, like, in the back of my head, I always had the game journalism thing in my head, but I was like, I don't know, man. I, like, I can make a job of this, writing about stuff, but um, I don't know that there's a, a world in which I'm actually writing about video games. So uh, I used that to get hired full-time at a place called the Ironton Tribune over in beautiful Lawrence County, Ohio. And from the Ironton Tribune, I uh, was still writing about video games. And it was mainly for myself uh, because nobody was reading it. And I, but I th thought that it was important if I ever wanted to um, make a career of this that I, that I practice and try to find what my voice was and try to find what I, I did. So I kept writing about it. And I started to, and I emailed everybody and I applied for every job and I emailed every game website I could think of with pitches and every magazine I could think of with pitches. And then eventually I barely started to make dents. I got to do uh, reviews for official Xbox Magazine and Game Pro and PC Gamer and... Um, uh, didn't make it into EGM before it closed, but uh, um, I, I started weaseling my way in through the back door, and once I got one credit, I was like, well, listen, I've written for GamePro, so you know I'm a professional. You can trust me. I'm at home in my sweatpants like, but don't trust me. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I wrote about 
video games um, freelance. I would tell people like, give me the crappy games that you don't want to do, and I'll do them, so you don't have to. And that worked for people who were doing this professionally. That gave them more time to play good games, and I would play the bad ones. And that wasn't very fun, but uh, I did get two hundred dollars. So uh, I, I guess I was getting the winning end of that deal. So I, um, from the Iron Tree Tribune, I moved to the Herald Dispatch full-time where I wrote about Marshall and uh, uh, did that for a couple years. And while I was there, I started applying at a place called uh, Joystick, which used to be a video game blog that AOL ran. Uh, a lot of used-to-bes in this story. Not as many as the last time I, a lot more than the last time I told it. Anyway, yeah, Joystick used to be a video game website. And uh, I applied there and didn't get the job. Um, but that, I was used to that. That was much pretty normal for me at that point. So I didn't think too much about it. And later, I emailed them again because I had written something that I was really proud of. And the editor-in-chief of that site, his name's Chris Grant, uh, said, oh, yeah, I remember your application. Um, we really liked it. And in my head, I thought, well, you didn't, you didn't like it enough to hire me. But okay, that's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, we really like it. So uh, uh, we want to bring you in for an interview. So I started working there part-time making... Ten big dollars for every post I wrote at Joystick, and just so I wrote a lot of them. <laughs> they, they, they foolishly didn't tell you how many you could write. It's like, well, I could write a lot. Like, you want me to write about uh, Mario's hat is red. Why is that? I don't know. Let's find out in 150 words together. Uh, thank you for your ten dollars. I very much appreciate it. Uh, and I was doing that freelance for a couple of years, and then weirdly, I stuck around long enough and worked hard enough and did enough stuff where I eventually got to be reviews editor, and we didn't do reviews at Joystick, and I said, hey, you should do reviews at Joystick, and I know the perfect person to lead that effort, a guy who needs insurance. <laughs> um, so uh, they made me full-time there, and I eventually became the managing editor, which is like the number two spot on the, at the website, and in 2011, Chris Grant and I and my brother Griffin and a few other people from Joystick left and formed with some other former editors-in-chiefs of different websites to make a site called Polygon, which I co-founded in 2012, and we launched that in 2012. Um, and I am now the editor at large at Polygon.com, which means that I don't work as hard as I used to when I was the managing editor. That's because I got this other thing that I spun off from that. I started doing the Joystick podcast uh, back in 20, 2007, I think. Uh, and from that, I started doing a podcast with my brothers called uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me that we started in 2010 that has continued to grow. And from that, I've done other podcasts like uh, one called The Adventure Zone and one I do with my wife is a physician called Sawbones. And we tour those around. We turn My Brother, My Brother and Me into a, a, a TV show. I'm working on another TV uh, show with FXX right now. Um, we're turning The Adventure Zone into a graphic novel. Um, and we're continuing to play like live shows. We just actually just got back from tour in Atlanta and Nashville, um, where we did some shows shows down there. We're touring about once a month at this point. Um, so I had to kind of cut back at Polygon. Um, I mainly do video content now at Polygon. My brother Griffin and I do a series called Monster Factory, where we play. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Patrick, for your your great Monster Factory sign. Uh, 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 we we play Monster Factory together. Uh, we do. Uh, games and try to break them. And we play games with character creators and try to make the ugliest characters we can and then try to make them uh, play the game even though they're broken. And we break them with mods because that's funnier and it's also cheating. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's my story. Why did it... Uh, what it the, the, the key takeaway is I've done all this stuff and I'm listening to a bunch of stuff not so you would be like, um, wow, what a cool dude. Uh, but I mean... A little bit because I'm a human being, so some of that's great. But um, the main reason I'm, I'm listing this stuff is I did it all from Huntington, West Virginia. I did not move. When my editor, when Chris told me, like, hey, you should move, I, I, I did not. He said I should move to New York because that's where the editorial team was. I did not do that. Um, and when I was starting out, in, uh, in, in the, the mid to late 90s, I did not think that what I do now is possible. And in a sense, I was right. It, it wasn't. But because of the internet, um, you, guys have, you guys have been on there, right? Okay. Because of the internet, uh, I'm able to do all this stuff from uh, 
right here uh, in Huntington, which is my home. So I had opportunities, and there are things that, like, when we were trying to do the My Brother, My Brother, Me show, it, there was a lot of pressure from our agents to, like, move all three of us to Los Angeles because that makes, like, it easier to make TV shows because they make TV shows there. Uh, and um, we still refused. My brothers live in Cincinnati and Austin, so we're not even together here in, in Huntington. Um, so we, we, we didn't. We didn't move, and we haven't moved, and we're not going to move to one of the bigger cities. And so why, I guess, is the question. So let me, let me address that first. Why did we move? Um, number one, my family is here. I have a wife. I have a daughter and another daughter coming, and I have a dad and stepmom and my wife's mom, and they all help us watch the kids, and I don't want to go to a place where I have to pay somebody to do that, and I like them having a relationship with their grandparents and their extended family, and um, so my family's here. That's the number one reason. It's not the last one, which we'll get to in a second. I, uh, number two, I like it here. I know where all the restaurants are. And I know where the good pizza is, and I know where the bad pizza is, and I know where who has the good pizza rolls and who has the bad pizza rolls, and where the best gas station to get pepperoni rolls is, and where the bad ones are. And I don't want to go someplace where I don't know that, or God forbid, they don't have pepperoni rolls in gas stations. And then what am I supposed to have for lunch? I'm starving. Um, uh, number three, and this is one that it took me a long time to to. Uh, to realize, and I, I, uh, I was talking to a, a freelance writer um, who I respected, and this is when I was first trying to get in my foot in any door. Um, they had no reason to talk to me. Um, but he said, uh, when I told him where I was and bemoaning the fact that, like, there's nothing happening here. There's, there's no reason why I should stay here. I need to move. Uh, I told him where I lived, and he said, oh, West Virginia, you live in a place with a lot of great stories. And I was like, what do you mean? It's like, well... There are amazing people there, and there are, and, and the amazing thing about them, one of the most amazing things about them is people aren't talking about that. People aren't talking about the people that are there. They don't recognize how great the people are and their culture and the, the, you know, the, the people, their stories. That's all untapped, and you're there. You, you can write those stories, and you have great access to that. And as I've done more podcasts and stuff like that where I'm talking about my life a lot, the fact that I live here is something that people remember, and it's something that helps me stand out, which is really valuable if you're in trying to get into a crowded field uh, or you want to, want to try to make an impression on people. The fact that you are in West Virginia gives me a perspective that nobody else has. I, I, I bring a different perspective to that. We talk about Huntington and, and being from here a lot on our shows, um, and it all seems really funny and cool and unique because... Nobody else is from here except me. I mean, there are other people, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, nobody else is from here except me, so uh, I get to tell all those stories. Those are all those are all mine, and that's my culture. And that's that's another. You look at games like um, uh, Assassin's Creed is probably the best example, right? You look at Assassin's Creed every year. Assassin's or not every year. They took a little while off. Things got a little dark for Assassin's Creed there for a little while, but he's back today in stores. This is a paid ad for Assassin's Creed Origins. <laughs> Out today. <laughs> uh, I woke up at 6 so I could play before I came here, and I could be playing that now instead of being here with you, so please try to appreciate my time. Um, but anyway, you look at a game like Assassin's Creed, right? And Assassin's Creed is set in a different cultural location with each iteration, right? Like you start out in... Jerusalem, Israel, in, in the first one, somewhere around there. Uh, and then, you you know, you got the piracy, you got Victorian England, you've got the American Revolution, and those are all different cultural backgrounds, right? That's a template to work from, a palette that you can work from. And being from here, like, you have a cultural experience that nobody else has, right? Like, why can't an, an Assassin's Creed game be set in uh, uh, Huntington? despite the fact that the coal exchange building is only 14 stories tall and wouldn't be very impressive to eagle dive off of. Well, you know, why, why can't we have games that are set here and, and, are, and are using that, that culture that is unique to you? And the, the answer is they could. And that's, for as a writer and as content creator, that's something that's big for me. Um, the fact that I'm here makes it unique. Uh, number four. This is the last one. It's way cheaper to live here. Shh. Don't tell anybody. But the cost of living in Huntington means that I can be 
a wealthy man while my peers struggle to pay the bills. And it's not exactly, no, just kidding. Um, I, it, it, is, it is a great area to live because you can afford to make less. So you don't need to make as much as other people, which in a, in a sense makes you more valuable because it is, it, it, if, you wanted, if you just want to make games and make ends meet, that is a lot easier to do from a financial perspective here than in a city like San Francisco, which like, if you aren't aware of the rent situation in San Francisco, I would encourage you to Google it and then freak yourself out because it is buck wild. Um, and that's not the case here. Um, so that's really valuable. And that is not the number one reason. Number one reason, you can all remember, family, if my wife asked you, family was the first reason he said, and he left cost of living for the, uh, for the last one. Why did that work for me? Because um, it doesn't work for a lot of people, and a lot of people end up moving, and a lot of people want to move to a, a, a San Francisco or a New York or Seattle or what have you. And I didn't want to, and so I realized that I would have to adapt the way that I was doing things if I wanted to make that work. Because the thing about if you want to remain here, and you don't have to, there, I, I just think it's cool that you're from here. I think that that's amazing, and I want you to go into the world and make, make amazing things. Um, but the, I realized that I wanted to stay here, and for me, the, the, the challenge there is there's not a clear path for that. Right, like there's not a clear people have not enough people have walked that path to make it easy to know how to get from A to B, uh, and and still stay in this area. So for me, that meant uh, hustling a lot. Um, I emailed everybody uh, to try to get a job. That I, I email, I I, uh, I sent clips to everybody. Said and and any time I would get a new gig, I would use that as an opportunity to do a whole other round of like, hey, I'm working here now, uh, and I'm please, something, please help me out, give me a job or something. Um, but I did that constantly. And I, what that did for me is, one, it's the only way to get your foot in the door because you do not know what your big opportunity looks like until afterwards. Like, th like think about that. Like, you don't know what the big thing is that is going to lead you to everything. I randomly sent an article I wrote about an FMV game starring Gallagher to joystick, and that's what reminded Chris Grant that he liked my application. And if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't gone for that like tiny sliver of opportunity, I would not be here right now. And so you do not know what that opportunity looks like. What is it? That's that could freak you out, and it should freak you out. The only answer to that is to try everything, like do all of it, like whatever you have an opportunity to do, go go after it. Um, second. I try to be really good to people. The, the challenge, and we'll talk about challenges here in a second, but like one of the big challenges for me is that I don't have a community of people doing what I do in this area. And it, with the advent of the internet even, um, the groups of people who are doing this kind of work, and I, and I would guess a lot of kinds of work, they're, they're surprisingly small. And um, if you don't treat people well, people will know. And you will start to see those tiny slivers of opportunity close. Um, when I found someone whose work I liked and respected and uh, liked what I did, I held on to them. I was good to them. I tried to take care of them. I respected them. Um, and I tried to treat everybody like that because it's an old adage, but it's like 100% true. There are people that I like promoted up to intern who are now running video game websites and who I may someday need a job from, and I tried to be good to them. If I had treated them like nothing back when I was running the site and they were an intern, if I had treated them like nothing, that like I would, I would be uh, hosed pretty bad, and I, I don't want you to be in that scenario. So please, I, I have found, and it is a truism, the people who in any field treat people well and are truly kind and generous tend to rise above. People remember that so much longer than they'll remember that great joke you did about Master Chief's helmet uh, from, what, from what I have found. Um, the third thing is I found a niche and I filled it. Um, lots of people could write about video games. I tried to write about video games in a funny way. Lots of people can do that too. But I tried to do it in the way that, were, that I thought was funny and that was the best fit for my voice. Um, I knew a guy 
or no guy, Bob Thompson, who's a pianist for Mountain Stage, which is an NPR show. And uh, he told me this great story about the first time he tried to get a, 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 a hired on a record label, he brought in this, this, uh, his, his samples and they listened to it and they said, this is fantastic. We can't do anything with you. And he said, why? And he said, well, I could go out onto the street and find five pros that could make this album that you have made, that could make this demo for me. But you need to find the thing that only you can do because that's what you will be paid for. Making the game that only you can make is the thing that, that is your currency. As a person, that is your, uh, that is the thing you can trade for goods and services in your, in, in your life. That is what you can get paid for, is to find the game that only you can make and make it better than anybody else. And that means you have to work a lot harder than everybody else because you are not going to be able to fall back on those conventional paths of, of getting jobs in, in game development or whatever um, field you, you want. Um, so find the thing that you can do better than anybody and, and do it. Um, what are the downsides of what I do, of, of living here? Well, number one, I would say, is, and we touched on it, networking is harder. I don't have a, um, if I want to talk to somebody for a story, I can't just go down to their office and bang on the door, and um, that's actually a pretty wild thing. Nobody does that. Uh, then nobody goes and bangs on game developer's door to be like, what, what color is Mario's hat, the next one? Like, that does not happen. Um, but uh, uh, there are people who can go to game development studios and take a tour of the studio and talk to people in the studio and go to events fairly regularly, demos, um, uh you, you know, who can go to, not stuff like, like E3 is something where everybody comes at one time, but there's like preview events all throughout the year where it's like, come out to this thing and we've got 40 computers set up and everybody's going to play through the, uh, you know, the new campaign, the new Assassin's Creed. And it, you, in those opportunities, you can talk to people, you can build relationships with people. And uh, that is really tough to do if you are, are living here. It's, um, the, the only remedy for that is to try to stay in contact with people as much as you can. And the internet makes that a lot easier than it was, you know, 15 years ago. But still, it's something you have to be cognizant of. Um, travel is harder, too, is the other big one. Um, I, whenever, there are very few, like, event-wise, very few opportunities um, uh, for me to, to do work. I, I have to travel to... GDC to PAX to E3, and because I'm flying out of uh, West Virginia, I almost have to, always have to get a connection, and that can make travel tougher. And it makes going to even like if I want to go to New York, which is where our, the Polygon offices are, uh, the Vox Media offices are, I, I have to get a connection through there. So it's like a, a, a travel is much more onerous and much more expensive, um, and, and it's not like I'm going to drive to San Francisco for GDC. So. Um, it, it, that is that is an issue. That is something that you will will struggle with um, for sure. So, could this work for you? Um, I don't know. Uh, I hope so. I hope that we can have more game development happening here um, in 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 Huntington and in West Virginia. Um, the the here are the paths that I can see. If if that is the path you want to go down, uh, I'm going to name. Uh, seven games, and I want you to tell me what connects them. Uh, Stardew Valley, Thomas Was Alone, uh, Axiom Verge, Cave Story, Minecraft, Tetris. Okay, one person, one person. Stardew Valley, Thomas Was Alone, Braid, Axiom Verge, Cave Story, Minecraft, Tetris, uh, which you may have heard of, uh, all created by one person. Now. Did Notch, is Notch still making Minecraft on his own? He is not. He is now paying many people to do that for him while he like, uses his jet ski. Um, so, <laughs> so, so no, he is not still doing that. And uh, the, a lot of those indie developers have gone on to work with other people. But uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon as well, one person. Um, are you that one person? I don't know. That sounds very hard. You have to do a lot of stuff. You have to draw all the art and make the sounds with your mouth. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. You have to record that with a microphone. That's the way it is. That pretty, that's pretty much how it works. You have to do all the uhs and all the shooting noises, and you have to draw all the guys, and that sounds really hard. But somebody did it. These people did it. You can do it. 
And, and you see people, the thing about um, indie game development is there's a lot of people doing it, but like that is a pathway. If you, you just have to be better than other people. You have to make the best game. And like, and, and, the, and I, I'm a firm believer that if you make something that is very high quality and then the cream rises to the top, the best stuff I think does get seen by people. Um, if you need a foothold to try to start to get some eyeballs, email me. JustinMacroy at gmail.com. Tell me you're from West Virginia and you're a game developer. I would love to help you. At least try to get some sort of like visibility out there because I think it's very cool. And that's what you need to get started. Because the, the big thing that's different for me and is by extension different for you is that when I was starting out, the games media were gatekeepers. The magazines at the time would say, these are the games we want to talk about. And they were pretty much all... It was a great system because they were pretty much all by the same AAA studios. It was pretty much all, you know, EA, Microsoft, Sunsoft, Sony. Um, and but now, as indie game developers are coming up, there's also indie games media creators, right? Like sites like Polygon don't have the sway that they used to because there's people on YouTube that have huge followings, and there are so many games that are made into big successes because streamers start uh, caring about them. So cultivating those relationships, too, with, with those people is a way to start to get visibility. And I really think that, like, uh, there's a game, uh, anybody play PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds? Yeah? Okay. A few people. Uh, right. So, like, that was a small studio that nobody ever heard of, and they made this game that has gone from uh, a very small team making a very simple idea to one of the biggest games in the world right now, and they're worth multiple billions of dollars. And the way that happened is people playing the game and saying, wow, this is really good. I'm going to talk about this. And I'm going to tell other people about it. And then they're then on podcasts like Giant Bomb, it, uh, they're, they're talking about it. And then it, it goes out from there and more people try it. But it happens because it's good. And, it, and not every great game is, um, is going to have that level of success. But I can tell you that only great games do. Like, the, the, there aren't a lot of bad indie games that get super popular. Uh, you, it's just, it's got to be great. And um, I believe that you could do that because you're West Virginians, and I have, I have faith. Um, another option, though, if, if you're wanting to go the game development route but don't necessarily want to live in another studio, and I was talking to friends who are, are, in, who are working this way, um, one option uh, is to work somewhere else for a while and then come back here. So, like... Go to the big game development cities, San Francisco, Austin, uh, Los Angeles, Seattle, Montreal, uh, uh, depending on Tokyo, depending if you, if you want to go that far, London, Toronto. Um, they're, they're all over. But go to one of those. Get a foothold um, through, through various means, applying. I know QA is still one of the best routes to sort of start to get your foot in the door places. Go there, and then once you've made yourself known and also valuable, because you worked harder than everybody, remember? We, we, we talked about that. You, you did a better job than anybody else, and everybody loves you, and they want uh, you to come work for them. Once you do that, you can come back here. I didn't get successful because I was here. I got successful enough to stay here. And that, and that is another route that a lot of people don't think of. It, you can get make the inroads, make the connections, and then come back and do contracts, art assets, do contract programming work, you know, that, that kind of stuff. If you want to be involved with one of those bigger studios, there's nothing that says you have to do it there forever. And, and, and again, smaller studios are spinning up all the time. There was not an Austin game development scene 10 years ago. And now you've got like companies like Arcane and, and, and people like that who are down there doing uh, that kind of work. And that community is starting to build. There's no reason that can't happen here. What that means is you need to find the people in your class or the people here that you really like working with and, and work with them and make cool stuff with them. And I guarantee you, if you, if you make the cool stuff, I, I don't know if it's always going to be a financial success, but, but you can make something that you're really proud of. Um, the, the other thing that I would say is if I didn't start writing about video games full time, it took me about 10 years before I was doing it full time. Mainly what I was doing was working at Best Buy and Borders and Toys R Us and Olive Garden and Babbage's and even places that weren't at the mall. 
I worked at Blockbuster twice. But what I was doing is working there to make a steady paycheck and doing this stuff on the side. Because that's a lot less scary than quitting your job and being like, well, how about it, world? Check me back in two years when I'm finished with my game. And also, I don't have a paycheck for that entire time. But it's going to be a good game. I will have died of starvation. But it will be a great game um, that I'll complete uh, uh, from my car. Uh, but so, do, you know, I didn't, I didn't transition into doing this full time. And there's nothing that says that you have to either. Like, it's cool and fun to make games. And life isn't all about, like, what you do full time with your with your job. It's about the stuff that you make and the stuff that you're proud of and putting that into the world. Um, I, I play guitar and I have for about 15 years. I'm bad at it. And I don't get any better and I don't take classes. Why? Because I don't care. Because I like doing it for me and I think it's fun. It's not my job and it doesn't need to be my job. Um, and, and that is definitely a path. Like, you do not need to make this your job until it does need to be your job. And you see a lot of people who go that route. I finally had to quit my day job because uh, I, I uh, you know, the, the demands for patching my game got to be too much and it got to be too, too popular. Like, it does not have to be cut and dry. You can do this while doing that. Um, there's tons of stories of people. Like, uh, the Five Nights at Freddy's guy he started that while he was working full time somewhere else. Um, so you can, you can definitely go that route. Um, it will be harder um, to do this and stay here. And I'm not saying that that's for you. If you want to go live in a big city, go for it. Go put, pay that $3,000 a month San Francisco rent. Please let me know how that works out. I'll be chilling here and enjoying my <laughs> pepperoni rolls in my very, afford in my very affordable uh, 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 home. But it... it I'm not telling you that you have to pursue a game development career and stay in Huntington. What I'm telling you is I believe in my heart that it is possible. And I believe that if anybody's going to do it, it's the people who are in this exact room right now. Who are, because the thing that I am missing and the thing that you could have if you look around is a community. Is a community of people who are doing this same thing and a community of people that maybe you'll work with Maybe they have skills that you don't have and you're going to make the next great thing together, but maybe they just inspire you to work harder, to do a better job. Maybe you learn from them. You, you, you see the things that they are doing and have them teach you those things. But like that community is something that you could have and, and maybe already do. I don't know. But it, that is a valuable asset that like the, it, the only thing that, is required for there to be a local game development scene is people making games locally. And if that is going to happen, it is the people who are in this room. And I firmly believe in my heart that that is um, possible. So uh, the only thing you need to do is work harder than everybody else and be better than they are. And I think that you can do that. And that is all that I uh, wanted to say. Any questions? Any questions? If, anybody, if anybody has. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm, now I'm trucking, man. Is there any questions? Questions, anyway? If there's no questions, then I'll pass the mic back to Josh if I want to ask. Justin McElroy at gmail.com. I'm serious. If you have like anything that I can help with, um, please let me know because I would love to be. Hi, I see you here back there. So, if this is your first listening to that wonderful keynote, just Spin it back and watch and listen to it again. Almost said watch it again. You can watch it online <laughs> watch it, if you yeah, want. Yeah, But um, I mean, I find you can pick up nuggets each and every time. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, we are extremely grateful uh, for Justin to come and talk at the West Virginia Game Developers Expo. And you know, we we love all the time he gave and was very gracious and and talked to our uh, our students and our audience there. As a reminder, if you want to see the unabridged version with that Q&A afterwards, feel free to go to, to YouTube and just simply do a search for WVGDE, and you'll see the 2017 keynote is there. You can check that out. I just want to kind of give some plugs for, for Justin and his, you know, all of Team McElroy. I, Josh and I went to go see uh, Sawbones as well as Schmanners. Mm -hmm. uh, Justin does Sawbones with his wife. Travis does manage with his wife. I feel like all three of them, they do podcasts with their wives. 
I've yet to get into the adventure zone, but I'm I'm really excited because I want to hear what it's going to sound like for the three sons to be teaching uh, Clint McElroy, their their father, how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, they all they all learn a lot on the fly. It, it, but mm-hmm. it's it's good that um, Clint's involved. I, I really I really enjoy that aspect of it. And um, I don't know if we mentioned it up front, but yeah, for those who don't know, yes, Justin, Travis, and Griffin. They are the sons of Clint McElroy, which if you're from the Huntington Tri-State area, you probably heard Clint McElroy for for many, many years (laughs) on the radio, typically on TCR, but possibly KE or the other clear channel stations that are there. So when I heard Justin McElroy, I thought, you know, he must be related to Clint. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it's uh, that's Clint is his dad. But yeah, they they were great. The um, the keynote was fantastic. And I think. Like I said earlier, you can take this. It doesn't just apply to someone who wants to do game design. When I heard the keynote, it hit me because as a person who's in IT, who could potentially move to someplace like Columbus or a bigger city and make more money, I too decided my family was here, my support system was here, possible babysitters in the future were here, and I found a way to make it work. Was I going to make as much money here as in Columbus? No. But also my house was going to be cheaper here and so many other things. And if you can if you can make that contract with yourself and understand that, you can still make an amazing living doing the passion that you have for what you want and still have your family and support system around. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that, I, you know, that that's just it goes without saying that in our area, this this area down here in the tri-state. That is such a huge, huge piece of everyone's decision. A lot of times, even for a career. Of course, we all want to, um, you know, finish school, high school or college, whatever your route you choose, and you want to make money and support and, uh, you know, be able to have a, you know, a family and, a, and and money in your pocket. Who doesn't want to be able to do that? And I think for a lot of folks, there's a lot of big city dreams. And there's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing wrong with attempting that and going and, 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 you know, trying that out for a while and maybe never coming back. But for a lot of people, that decision shouldn't be there. Um, You shouldn't have to move away to do game development. You really shouldn't. Why do you need to do that? Well, I want to work for X company. Why, why, why can't you start your own? Why can't you do your own thing? Well, you're still going to have to start somewhere. You're still going to have to do something that gets you experience before you can get into those companies. And, and, and that is a very hard piece for a lot of people to understand that unless you move there to go to school, it's hard to get your foot in the door a lot of places. Not that it's impossible, but I think with what we have available at our fingertips, um, which is completely different from even five years ago or 10 years ago. And I mean, I've been doing this, uh, I'm halfway through my eighth year teaching and messing with game development and the the tools have changed every few years and what we have available to us now is so much better than what we had previously and i can really say to students now you can do this at home you can start your own company you can be your own boss and i mean i think the keynote really reinforces that idea of being your own your own person your own boss and being successful at it and um, being able to stay here and enjoy, you know, friends, family, and a life in an area that you can really afford to live in. And just um, and keep in mind, too, the drive he had to have. You know, you mentioned it's it's possible to stay here, and you won't know anybody. You won't have any contacts. That's true. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he kept on being persistent and emailed Joystick and was like, I want to do this. I, I'll even do it for free. I just want to do it. Yeah. And, you know, that guy's foot in the door. They didn't know him from anybody, right? And he was right. still here. So opportunities are there. And by the way, once you have a portfolio and you say, "Well, I want to work for Blizzard," if you have a portfolio to show them, you may be able to work remotely, but you're going to have to have some excellent communication skills. Mm-hmm. And that's something that Justin has honed and refined over the years because it it did seem like he had a journey. It didn't magically just happen. Yeah. And work oh, for yeah. him. Yeah. So keep in mind, you're going to have lots and lots of rejection. But also, you know, I went to GDC with you, Josh, mm-hmm. San Francisco. I didn't see pepperoni rolls no. in any of the gas stations. <laughs> no. So we still have pepperoni rolls here, like you said. So yeah. um, you can have your pepperoni rolls and 
have an awesome job that, right. that works with your passion. Yeah, that doesn't cost an arm and a leg to live. No. So <laughs> I, I want to re-mention that if you'd like to see the extended version of this, do go out to YouTube. I have the 12 interviews, even a, an abbreviated one with uh, Justin, as well as the video of the keynote up there and the five sessions that were done, as well as the three workshops, two of them which were on Unity. So if you're interested in learning a little bit about Unity, you can watch those. And also one on C-sharp with the, um, the solid framework. And um, Josh, we had some some excellent sponsors we wanted to make sure we plugged and thanked for the second annual Game Developer Expo. Yeah, um, so a couple, list off a few sponsors here. Um, we did get uh, Strickland Business uh, helped us out. Um, uh, 2812 Studios um, helped us out. The school here at Mount West uh, was a good sponsor. Uh, and then we had a private sponsorship from Brownie and I Center, um, which I care facility. And um, so that, that helped us just, you know, Take care of odds and ends and, and different things. Um, very uh, uh, thankful for all of that. Um, for the studios that we had present, um, we'll run down through this list sure. real fast. So I'm trying not to forget anybody. Yeah. Uh, Vandalia Softworks, company out of uh, Morgantown, mm-hmm. formed by two um, uh, people at WVU that were that were very interested in doing game development, and that's kind of what they're doing with um, training uh, some uh, forensics. Uh, training along yeah. with that, so very yeah. unique in, in, in situation that they're working on. Yeah, a good interview. Um, and it sh- about shows that. some of their forensics games too. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, Sleepy Owl Software, um, uh, actually a, a solo guy out of uh, the Indianapolis area. Um, we had uh, Eastern Kentucky University came down, mm-hmm. and a couple of their students have a, um, a game company, um, the Sock Drawer, the Studio. Sock Drawer Studios. Studios. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so they're they're really doing a lot of great things at EKU. Um, a very very good program, um, and their their professor, uh, uh, Doctor Langdon. Langdon, uh, yeah. He spoke uh, and did a really nice job on his uh, session. He did as well. Um, the Wellside Marshall University here are. Uh, uh, another institution uh, within a couple minutes drive here, mm-hmm. uh, a four-year uh, institution, master's degree level as well, um, and we have some, yeah, we have some articulations here at Mount West with them. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them is uh, within the game development area, where students can come here and get two years of their uh, and their associate's degree, and then transfer to Marshall and finish up in another two to two and a half years with a bachelor's degree. Um, uh, we also had multi-threaded games, and they're from Portsmouth, Ohio, um, and they so short drive again. A lot of stuff happening. They're actually their Steam page for their game Beventool is up now. Bevanchale. Bevanchale. Yeah. Bevanchale. It, it looks yeah. like. Think about spelling it Bevantool. B e v o n t u l e. Yes. They got and, great SEO. Um. Yeah. And so it is. Uh. Their Steam page is up now. Um, so I believe, I don't remember if you can pre-order it now for early Based access. Based on our interview, which is also up there with multi-threaded, I believe they said they were going to go ahead and release a, a brand new demo Okay. with their expectation this January doing an That's, additional okay. Kickstarter Yes. to raise a bit more money to go right. ahead and push further. Yeah. And so check them out on Steam because they're, they're doing some, some very good work. Um, and then also we had Lasso Games back from mm-hmm. last year. That's a Huntington area Um game uh game development studio and they're a prime example of a uh, remote work um mm-hmm. jack daniels their um owner and creator uh he has several employees that don't live within the area they live um uh several parts across the u.s and out of the country even uh and so they're doing a lot of different stuff there they have um, a steam game out um or game out sorry on steam uh, called Mini Law. Yeah. Very, very popular. Um, Kotaku just did an article on it recently. It's really been picking up steam. Uh, think Robocop, Judge Dredd style, um, yeah. your police work. Uh, very cool game. And then they've also got Leventera mm-hmm. that they're, yeah. I believe, the Steam, is the Steam page up for it yet? Um, I, I know they're greenlit. They're yeah, okay. working on it. They yeah, were, mini, yeah. yeah, Mini Law was the Robocop we should, game we should have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leventera. I, I did a new interview with him. Jack was on the podcast just two episodes right, ago, right. but uh, I did a 2016 interview with him on this one. Um, Levin Terra, think uh, Castlevania Two: Simon's Quest. Yeah, kind of has that feel with some some piracy in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, your pirates on the high sea, so it's pretty awesome. And um, we even he even showed me another game he had. I think it's called Highway Rampage. Yeah, that they'd done during a game jam. Yeah. 
So all three of those are shown and highlighted in the video. And they just got he got to go to Finland. Yeah, uh, for the just, Game Development World Championship. Yeah, yes. and they took home third place. Yes. And he got to go to Rovio, and he got to go to King. Uh, King. Yep. Yeah, and see all those those developers, and so it was a really awesome opportunity once again for another yeah uh, for another a local area person yep. who's who's done technically Oklahoma, Oklahoma. as well, we are, but he's supplanted he, here now he's, he's here a, he's yeah, transplanted he's transplant. so he's a local boy yeah, he's here uh, we also had um, uh, Todd uh, Barchok Barchok yeah with uh, uh, Iso Tower Iso Tower yeah from uh, Columbus mm-hmm. uh, and then we did we were um, oh well also had twenty eight twelve Studios yeah which is uh, a company started by a couple students here at Mount West. Um, and they're uh, presented part of their early workings, kind of proof of concept style uh, game, Falling Embers. Procedural roguelike. Yeah, like yeah. Binding of Isaac. Yeah, very, very interesting path. Um, it's really coming together, putting a lot into it. A lot of back-end C-sharp Unity editing that he's working on right now. He's doing a lot of stuff using utilizing the Unity engine uh, and then making his own stuff. Which uh, worked work because it. he yeah. also did two of our – well, he did three of our workshops. Yeah, did, yeah, did those workshops yeah. as well. Um, so we had a, a, we also had Collins Career Center, uh, Career and Technical Center, uh, and their program – they have, a, they have a, a graphic design program out there, and um, they do a lot of fantastic work um, – out there with uh, Billy Roberts as their instructor. Mm-hmm. And so they came and they set up a booth um, and they do uh, a lot of fantastic artwork and they're, they're working on overlays for Twitch right mm-hmm. now. Uh, so it was really neat to, they had a lot of that on demo, um, which again, that's a whole nother area of the game industry is just, Oh, these people make Twitch overlays, Twitch streaming service, such a huge, huge deal right now with, with, with gaming. Um, and so they're doing something that's not even like, Oh, we're not, we're not making video games, but we're doing this, which still, again, is integrated right into that industry heavily. Previously Syntec, now yeah. NIS. NIS. Uh-huh. He was there with their, their wonderful application, the heads up community. Heads up. Yep. Um, that's out there. So it's a, an, a, uh, alert-based app, mm-hmm. basically. Um, so there are a lot of schools and cities that are utilizing this Heads Up app where um, a, a, a community owner or owners uh, can send out, let's say there's a, a wreck block on a road. Mm-hmm. They can immediately send out this alert, and it can hit anybody that has this app um, and of course, on social media and everything as well, and um, gives you that information, that alert. And I think for without you know sending out these weird text message, SMS style systems, uh, this app is very programmable for a lot of different institutions and a lot of different um, cities and city governments. Um, and it's really been picking up steam. They've been traveling all over the U.S. Um, pitching it, and a lot of people are picking up on it. And uh, I think they're onto something. And, I mean, the, the heads-up thing is, is is quite interesting. So. It seems most uh, K-12 schools and colleges all have some sort of emergency alert system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, This fits right in there nicely. Yeah. And I even talked to them about the uh, – they had a heads up pet rescue they'd done, which is kind of like a personal passion project <laughs> yeah, for him. Yeah. To where, you know, the biggest thing he said was um, in our interview, if you make a post on Facebook, it lives on Facebook. Yeah. If you make a post on Twitter, it lives on Twitter. With the with the heads up app, it's it's HTML. It's it's a it's web based, yeah. and so it can be fed out into all those areas. Right. So if you use that one area, it can be it propagated pushes out. out to everything. But uh, yeah, the, the pet rescue was saying was was really good for. He saw all these people posting missing dogs and stuff on Facebook, yeah. and so that they, they, they created a, that platform and, and used it for that as well. So, right, um, it was yeah, a lot of excellent interviews. Once again, like I say, please go out there and just simply go to YouTube, WVGDE. You can look at the mm-hmm. 2016 videos, which only had like six or seven. This yeah. time, this time I'm, I'm almost close to 20. I think right now, yeah, we we're really growing, expanded. We're really trying to. Uh, Cover a lot more ground. I can only imagine what we're going to do for 2018. Um, it could be a, a small step or it could we could take quite a large step forward in what we're trying to do in building this community around here. So we'll we'll start that planning uh, in a couple weeks in January, um, and we'll see where it goes from there. So, Well, uh, I want to throw back out there that if, if you enjoyed this episode, if you have any questions, if, if you think after watching those videos, wow, I, 
I'm a person listening to this and I think I have something I can contribute, feel free to get a hold of Josh or myself. Um, our actual emails here, I'm smith288 at mctc.edu, and Josh is joseph15 at mctc.edu. Um, so, you know, if, if you're listening to this, you're an aspiring uh, game developer and you're interested in, in getting it on the on the, the ground floor for the third annual, feel free to get a hold of us. Or if you just like the episode and want to give feedback, feel free to give feedback on the YouTube videos that I have posted up there. Or email us at talkontech at gmail.com mm-hmm. or on Twitter, talkontechmctc. But that's going to do it for this week's Talk on Tech. I am Patrick Smith. And I'm Josh Joseph. Have a great week. 